Ryan, Tony, and Chris We can't guarantee that you're gonna look great. But if you wanna stay in shape, well, you better hit the Chinwits. Chinwits. That's right, man. Welcome to the Jim Wits Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic. And I'm Tony Marinucci, a.k.a. Tips with Tony, your registered dietitian. And we are the Jim Wits. So I think I missed my calling uh, professionally. Okay, what is I sh- it? I should have been a mover. Oh, a professional I hate, mover. Right. I hate lifting stuff, but I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, just judging by having moved, like, um, and then also with between, like, so... You know, first the move itself. Yeah, we had movers. Should have had a moving business together. I was great at carrying. Yeah, I know. That's the only thing I'm good at. I was from a moving from a um, second floor walk up to a third floor walk up, and did a lot more work than the movers because I just wanted to get it done. I was paying by the hour, Um, and then uh, and they were like huffing and puffing, and it's like, wait, this is what you guys do for a living? Why am I like outpacing you? But then just between like taking stuff out and getting furniture deliveries, that we had like a big um, IKEA delivery, and like. They were taking sweet. They were slow, and I'm and like and like waiting at the top of the steps after each time they bring. So I just ran down. I'm like grabbing stuff, stacking things together. I was like, I could have done this. I would have hated it because I just I don't like physical labor. But you did it anyway, and you paid. I did it, and I paid for it, <laughs> and I tipped them for my work. But um, but yeah, no, that, that that's what I, I should have done. It should just been. It's a good idea. Yeah, there. I'm. Granted, should, that is hard. We could work still, we could still open the business together. Yeah. Okay. That's if the, this new job doesn't work out, then we'll we'll get a truck. And uh, we'll we'll do that. The Jim Witz Moving Company. I like it. <laughs> you like moving, Tony? No, I hate everything. Now, I don't know about if I've it. ever met anyone who likes moving. Literally, I hate it so much. <laughs> I mean, like, the good thing about it is starting fresh and kind of you know yeah. getting uh, well, rid of after stuff. After you move, it's good, but, but the yeah. actual process. The process. Of is I don't even well. like like I I just put away all finally because it's been nice out. Like put all my winter clothes away and took out all like like I don't even like that stuff. Like organizing, yeah. so like I can't and packing like things for the new season. I can't imagine packing up an entire house or apartment. Like the thought mm. of if I get a house, I'm gonna just stay in that house forever. Because ever having to move out of a house, like <laughs> moving out of a one bedroom apartment, is stressful. So <laughs> yeah, why well, is it? I'm like I've been anxious already. Like I, we're, we're planning on three years probably at this place. Like we're paying a lot for rent, and so I'm like, okay, the next move has got to be like the last move for a really long time. So we got to think about buying a place. But we live in New York. It's prohibitively expensive to yeah. buy a place unless you're wealthy <laughs> yeah. um so and you know so that's that's a consideration too is like how you know i i really don't want to move you know no offense but i really don't want to move out of the city like to the burbs but like i don't know that we can afford anything anywhere that that's got good transportation that's reasonable size that's new you know well, and you, you have this new job right now you could consider conceivably move anywhere and drive to work learn how to drive get a car. yeah no uh, no, that, that that just does not sound like something I want to do. Okay. I mean, I want to get the. I do want to get my driver's license because I want to go snowmobiling in Finland next year. But that's that's my the impetus for me. It's not because <laughs> I actually want to drive. It's just like uh, there's one of the things I want to do is sm- snowmobiling and like so I need a license. So right, it's on the agenda for this. Makes summer. sense. You need a driver's license to ride a snowmobile. You can't just get a snowmobile license. No, no, you need a driver's license. I mean, there's it's a tour, and so the tour requires you to have the driver's license. So I don't know if like what the rules are like if you when you're there but yeah if you have a driver's license you can ride the snowmobile and um because we're going yeah we're going to finland um so we tried to see the northern lights this year in iceland it didn't work out so next year we're going to try in finland um but among the different things in this the area we're going to be is snowmobiling and so i'm like i want to do that so gotta get my license well nice nice all right so uh what do we have on the agenda for today 
Um, so today we are we have our interview with Dr. Daria Gillespie. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Um, she author, likes to be referred to as Dr. Daria. Dr. Daria, author of Mom Hacks. Um, it's a fun interview. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's much else to say before it. So let's just uh, get on with the interview. It's really we had a good time and uh, enjoy Dr. Daria. Hey everyone, we are here with Dr. Daria Long Gillespie. How's everything? Hi. How are you? Very well. So, uh, Dr. Gillespie is a Harvard and Yale trained ER doctor, the best-selling author of the book Mom Hacks, and she is a regular on CNN, Headline News, and the Dr. Oz Show. So, very impressive. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm just trying to keep up with y'all's credentials, too. (laughs) So is it, um, what do you prefer, um, Dr. Gillespie or Dr. Daria? How, what's the best way for oh, us to... Dr. Daria is perfect. Dr. Uh, Gillespie is actually the name of like a, a really old doctor in an old TV show. So no, okay. Dr. <laughs> Daria is perfect. It's true. Dr. Daria sounds like, you know, new and hip. Dr. Gillespie sounds old for whatever reason. I don't, I don't yeah. know how, but... So I, I like Dr. Darling. got married, all my patients who were about 85 and above, because it's my husband's name, would say, did you watch that TV show? <laughs> so, yes. So before we get into kind of your own, your professional background and your book and, and all of your work, uh, we always like to find out a little bit about your own kind of personal fitness journey. So maybe if you can tell us a little bit about um, your your background. Did you play sports? Um, what kind of got you, you know, you and yourself focused into kind of health and wellness? Um, give us a little bit about, about that kind of personal background. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So I did play, um, I was actually a runner in, in high school and in junior high and um, did cross country and track. I uh, um, did, ran the 400 and the 800, so any uh, middle distance people out there, um, and got really tired of it when I got to college. I just kind of burned out on it, so played played lacrosse, actually. So wait, were um, you sure you just weren't tired from running? Because I know I get tired after I run like four blocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. You're like those sprinters. I remember <laughs> we would see them practicing, and they, you know, they would... They never had to run outside when it was cold and rainy. So yes, I was probably just tired. And um, so took some time off from running and, uh, but then got back into it after, you know, once I was in med school, it is my sanity saver. It is, you know, it does, it has nothing to do with my hip size or anything else. It is how I um, keep, like I mentioned, how I keep sane. And, And it's also where I get some of my good ideas. It's my daily endorphin hit. Um, so everybody, everyone in my family knows, like, mommy just got to get her run in, and then everything's okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, professional background. When did you know that you wanted to be a doctor, and tell us about that journey? Yeah, absolutely, and I think this is also where the health, the this question you just asked me about my own fitness and health journey and professional journey kind of start to intersect. So I... Um, I knew I, I was always interested in medicine and the ability to help my patients. I, I, in the middle of med school, though, I saw a lot of changes in how the healthcare system was being structured. A lot of physicians and were, were frustrated because they weren't getting to spend the time that they wanted with their patients and um, to be able to give them the guidance. And so I decided to go to business school. And so I left medical school in the middle and uh, after three years, I went to Harvard for business school. And then came back and finished residency and did residency in emergency medicine uh, because I really wanted to be that person that could see 
health and medicine from both the on the ground perspective of as an ER doctor, you are ground zero, but also to understand it from a strategic and a financial and, and all those other things that are really the limiting factors when it comes to, uh, to healthcare and medicine. And um, then had my own um, uh, kind of health scare when I was a, an intern. I you know, was always healthy. I, like I mentioned, I would run my three, three and a half miles a day. And I started to wake up and my, my feet were swollen. My hands were swollen. I had pain in my knees, my back. Um, I, I'd never been in so much pain. We didn't know what was going on. Like it, and I, let, I couldn't run, let alone stand up to see my patients. I had to sit down to just be able to talk to my patients because I couldn't be on my feet. So it was really scary. I'd, I'd never been in that kind of pain or been that afraid of why I was in that kind of pain. And got a, a number of, got a second opinion and was diagnosed with an autoimmune arthritis. So I was put on a variety of medications because I was told that if you're not on medications, this arthritis is going to destroy your joints and you won't even be walking, let alone running in 10 years or 15 years. So I was put on medications and that helped. It really did. I was giving myself shots twice a week and finally my symptoms were under control, but I did not like the idea and I'm totally pro medication, but I didn't like the idea of being on medications for the rest of my life. And you know, what were the long-term implications of that, of a, an immunosuppressive medication? So I started to make, uh, to do a lot of research and make a lot of health care, health changes of my diet and exercise and how I handled stress and how I slept. And eventually I was actually uh, able to wean off the medication altogether, which is really, really unusual. And it's not something I tell people to do is just never, ever stop your medications. But it does say, speak to the enormous impact that our lifestyle has on our health, especially around inflammatory conditions. So I became very interested in that. And so when I um, started to do a little bit of media work, and we can talk about that story later, it really became clear that you know a lot of people were hearing the same messages I had heard and that wasn't okay with me. I wanted to talk to them about the solutions I had found and how to incorporate that into your daily life. And so I, that's where the idea of what I call the minimum viable actions come from, of those tiny steps that can make huge impact to give you that feeling that I always had as an ER doctor of whatever came in the doors, I felt like I could handle it and that I've got this. And I want people to use the minimum viable actions to have that I've got this feeling in their everyday lives. Wow, so I, I'm there's a, a lot to get into there, um, but I'm actually curious. So, what were the changes that you made? Yeah, so um, and there are a lot of them. The ones that ended up becoming hacks in the book, Mom Hacks. Um, so, number one, nutrition. Nutrition is so 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 key for for what we're for our health and and, and anyone in general, let alone inflammatory uh, people with uh, autoimmune conditions. So. I looked at all the research and for a period of time, I cut out gluten, dairy, um, sugar, processed foods, happiness, like mm -hmm. everything I could think of because I wasn't sure what was going to work and my symptoms started to improve. Um, and I was actually really happy. Gluten didn't help my symptoms at all. So I was like, yes, I can eat bread. <laughs> I was actually happy that it didn't help me. Um, dairy, uh, some, a little bit has some impact on me. So um Dairy, when it comes to that, I, uh, when I can and when I think the taste tolerates it, I will use a nut-based dairy instead. So like my coffee, I have an almond milk that I use in my coffee. Um, 
when I yogurt, yogurt, it's hard to replace with a nut based yogurt. Oh, there's somebody, um, David Kirsch was just telling me about Kite Hill has an almond based yogurt that he was saying I should try. I haven't tried it yet, so I can't speak from personal um, use, but just as a thing. So have you ever um, tried the coconut yogurt? I have the problem with the coconut yogurt and a lot of the nut baked yogurt is I find they put a lot of sweetener in it. Yeah. And the coconut yogurt, especially the vanilla, is a vanilla one that I, I like the taste, but it's it's actually too sweet for me because I've cut a lot of, out a lot of sweets, and you just end up getting too much added sugar. So um, there was a the Kite Hill is supposed to have a Greek based um, kind of uh, almond one, so I'm going to try that because I what I tell everybody is yogurt's great, but just look at how much sugar added sugar you may be getting with it. Yeah, so, so delicious has an unsweetened one with no sugar mm-hmm. added. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it so delicious, Tony, or not? Tell though, me the truth. Though, but that's the thing. I haven't had it yet, but I think it's. I when I have had dairy-free yogurts, they're disgusting. You're right. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like really a sad fact. Yeah. So I'm really excited to try this Kite Hill one because when you try the dairy, yeah, it's some of them I've had are just. Um, I tried a cashew yogurt and that just did not cut it. And I really wanted to like some of these, and so maybe uh, they'll keep developing them. Um, but how many, know, I don't how many foods, I'm just saying how many foods in general that have the term or the, you know, the word Unsweet. phrase delicious in it are actually delicious. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like if you have to say it, <laughs> hmm. um, so that was gluten dairy. And then the biggest culprit for me and for many people, most people is processed foods and mm. added sugar. So super sad. I am a major Cheez-Its fan, especially Cheez-Its duos. Um, But those are the biggest trigger from an inflammatory point for me. So I, you know, people don't realize I was at the stage that I'd keep a bag of Skittles in my white coat and down that in the middle of an ER shift and then come home and I was exhausted and I'd have some Swedish fish. So I, this was not easy for me to do, and which I think is always really important. Is that I'm not writing mom hack because I'm, you know, sitting up in some ivory tower and health is perfect for me. I wrote these things because I struggled with them and had to find ways to do it and had to figure out a way that didn't make me miserable that I could cut and decrease sugar out of my diet. So um, that nutrition made a really was a really big driver. So before we get to the to mom hacks, we obviously have a bunch of questions on that. Um, how did you make your? Because you mentioned being a you know making media appearances. How, how did you make that transition from kind of being a physician to somebody who was making appearances on on various media? Like was it something that was a concerted effort on your part, or did you just, just kind of fall into it? Um, give us a little bit of a, a background on that. So it was not a concerted effort. It was driven by me being really upset by how bad the news was on health that my health coverage that my patients were getting. So I was in residency and there was the swine flu epidemic and, you know, people were watching the local news and it was always saying things like, you know, stay tuned for the 10 PM for the death toll from swine flu. (laughs) So people were coming in our waiting room length of stay just to see a doctor was eight hours. And so by the time you'd see somebody, you'd say, you know what? Yes, you have this bird flu or swine flu, different different years, different seasons. Um, but you know what? You're a 
healthy 33 year old and you're going to be okay. And I'm, I'm sorry you were scared. I'm sorry you wasted your time. Um, and similarly now you see, um, there's a lot of, uh, I'm sure y'all, y'all see them too. And you probably see, given your backgrounds, you see through a lot of the fads and trends, but there's a lot of people out there selling a whole lot of wonderful things to help your health that have no science to it. Mm -hmm. And my patients were getting really confused and I got really irritated. So I started reaching out to the same local health, um, local news outlets and saying, you know, if you need an expert, I'm here, happy to help out. And local just kind of led to me being a national spokesperson for the American College of Emergency Physicians. And that led to national TV stations kind of seeing me and reaching out and um, doing things with them. So really, it, it, there was never any plan to make a career out of this at all. It was just driven by this pain point that I saw with my patients. Mm -hmm. Cool. So now what, um, I guess, in writing Mom Hacks, what area in like what what areas did you see were kind of deficient in as far as our knowledge or the public knowledge and where did you see an area that you could kind of um you know give back or give to people and and help mm -hmm. uh, kind of enhance our own knowledge of of um i guess or of of mom mom's knowledge and what they can do right. to kind of and, make their lives better and everybody i mean if you look it's called mom hacks cuz um we have to have a title and i wrote the proposal when i was on maternity with my second so i had a very single track mind for that title i didn't want anybody else but the reality is 90% of the book is on good nutrition and sleep and how to start reset your circadian rhythm and stress and exercise. And anybody can read it. I've had a lot of women who are not moms. I've had grandmothers. I've had men, all of whom who buy the book and like the book. So um, it, it was important to give something that is universal for everybody. And then, yes, there are tips in there on how to get your kids to eat better and sleep better too. Um, but the majority of it is really universal stuff, um, which is works for everybody. Um, so I felt that diet was really important because you are constantly getting these new fad diets and it's constantly changing. Um, I felt like we really need to clear up a lot on that because there's just so much garbage. So the first half of the diet or first third of the diet chapter, nutrition chapter is like, here's really what you need to eat. Like throw, throw out all this other garbage. Here's what the science says about what works. Mm -hmm. I was talking to one of the CNN anchors the other day and she was like saying that she was trying to lose her baby weight and she was struggling because she's on this diet on uh, Mondays and Wednesdays, she eats high fat and then has to exercise a certain way. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, she eats low this. And I was like, she was telling me and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm exhausted just listening to this. <laughs> and, you know, there's so much and people are spending so much time and effort and money. And so I was like, okay, we got to clear it. We need to clear out the garbage when it comes to nutrition. And then beyond that, I mean, a lot of people know the what. I mean, they know that cauliflower is better than a cookie. Um, but then they needed the how. Like, okay, what do I do? at 3 p.m. or 10 p.m. when that craving's taking over or when I'm just kind of overwhelmed by stress and I just want to reach for that piece of chocolate, how do I make it possible? So I made sure that was in there for every section. There was like the here's the what to do, but then here's the how. Because I think a lot of people miss it. Most diets just tell you what to eat and do, but they don't actually come into your house and get into your head and look at the challenges that you face and help you troubleshoot that. So that was really important that was in there as well. 
So can maybe give us a couple of um, so obviously like it's called Mom Hacks. So I'm assuming there's some kind of trick tips and tricks in there for people to you know to utilize yes. to take advantage of and make their lives better. Um, can you maybe give us a couple of like of your favorite tips that you know kind of hacks or you know, life hacks sure. that that will help people? Surely. So here's one that all of y'all can do tomorrow that takes like 15 seconds. And it is not going to just improve your energy. It can potentially, you know, change your weight as well, which is so impressive. I really got into the science of circadian rhythm, which is our body clock. And it's that internal clock that we have. And we know melatonin is released, governed by the circadian rhythm. So it affects how we sleep. But what many people don't realize, it actually also affects your metabolism, um, your cholesterol, your inflammation. There was one study where they just messed with people's sleep and circadian rhythm for nine days. And at the end of nine days, their inflammation and cholesterol were up and a third would have tested positive for pre-diabetes. So it's really important how much our circadian rhythm impacts our health. And for most of us, it's totally off. So quick test. If you feel like your alarm goes off and you're exhausted and then you're dragging through your day all day long and then 2 p.m. hits and you're like going to crawl under a, under a desk and take a nap and then at 10 or 11 p.m. when it's time to go to bed, do you ever have those moments where you're just like wide awake and staring at the ceiling? Mm-hmm. Y'all ever have that? All the time. Okay. So that is a quick test that your circadian rhythm is probably off and it's easy to get it off because it's attached to light is the single biggest thing. So if you're using your smartphone or any devices late at night, or you're getting your indoors and not getting as much outdoor light, all of those things, our body wasn't programmed to work that way. Our body was programmed to be outdoors, sleep when it's dark. So quick ways. There's a bunch of ways to reset it in the book, but here's one way tomorrow. The first thing you do when you wake up, I want you to get bright light. And this, I don't know, any of y'all, do you kind of keep the lights down when you first wake up to try to ease your way into the morning? No. You do? Um, I think it naturally peeks through for me. Okay. So that's good. So you want to get bright light the minute you get up because bright light to your circadian rhythm is the equivalent of the alarm clock going off or the external clock going off to, to to your brain. So the minute you wake up, you want to get bright light. So you sync that outside clock with your body clock. Bright light, whether it's a light-up alarm clock, if it's bright outside, that's great. Or just, you know, if you have bright lights in your bathroom or even in a pinch, just turn up the light on your phone and look right at that bright light. What it does is it, it your brain takes in that signal and immediately stops your melatonin production. So you're going to start to wake up more. It tells your body time to wake up. So you have more energy at the moment. And then the, the other cool thing that it does is now that it's synced to your body is to the, your internal and out, um, external clocks, it's going to actually be easier for you to fall asleep earlier that night because your body now realizes and kind of, um, can kind of check it off that you woke up early because it got light earlier. So quick bright light first thing in the morning takes 15 seconds, gives you more energy in the morning. It makes your nighttime easier. Um, on the flip side, that means not using your devices for about an hour and a half before bed. So your smartphone great in the morning, but at night, it's suppressing your melatonin, and that effect will last for an hour and a half. So if you're looking at your smartphone at 10 p.m., you're not going to be able to fall asleep until around 1130. Um, if you have to use your devices, you can use some blue light blocking glasses. But otherwise, try to minimize it, um, and that'll make a difference in your ability to fall asleep. Nice. I'm going to start yeah. doing that yes. tonight. <laughs> good. Good, good, good. Try it. Um, and then let's see. How about one for... Um, for nutrition. Y'all want one for nutrition? Yeah, sure. Okay. So this is, 
we think that as human beings, we are very uh, intentional and deliberate. We're not. We have caveman brain in a modern world. And so just part of a lot of hacks is like, let's just accept the way human nature is and work with it as opposed to fighting it. So we, um, our brains are very influenced by the food around us. And so one quick example. So there was one study where people were given they had M&Ms because I, I go into the, a lot of behavioral psychology in the book and behavioral psychologists use M&Ms all the time. I don't know what it says about humanity or M&Ms, but <laughs> work with me. Um, when the M&Ms were next to you versus if they were six feet away, AKA you actually had to get up out of your chair to eat the M&Ms or an equivalent is putting the foods, those tempting foods on a very high shelf that you can't actually reach unless you pull over a stool. People eat 70% less without using any willpower. Mm-hmm. So another example, um, one Google had a problem in that their employees were eating too many free M&Ms and they didn't want to tell them that they weren't free. So all they did is they took the M&Ms from clear containers and they put them in opaque containers. And then on the flip side, they took healthier foods and they put them in clear containers. They didn't tell people to eat less. They didn't do any difference in signage or messaging or anything. And in six weeks, um, their 2000 employees ate 3 million fewer calories of M&Ms. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So it's right, Tony. I mean, and you probably with your work as a nutritionist have come across this, but it's tiny things like that that people don't realize if you have a snack bowl on your um, on your desk, if it's opaque, women eat half as much as if it's in a, if it's a clear bowl. Tiny little things like that that can just slightly reduce your consumption without any use of your willpower. I mean, that's a huge win to me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we've talked about a few things like that. Tony would often uh, recommend that if you have um, sweets and things like that, put it in a in a cabinet which is hard to see. It's not easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Same concept. Yeah, like yes, leaving, exactly. leaving certain things in the refrigerator, like on the top shelf that you know are healthy and putting the other things away. percent. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I still know it's there. Yes, you do. But you would be surprised by how much of your consumption is really not unconscious, but it's kind of like unconsciously driven. And if you do not see it and it's not within an easy grab, you will reduce your intake, even if it's by 20%. That's a freebie because it used no willpower. So it's a total freebie for you. So, so as part of, part of the book, so obviously you wrote it kind of what, you know, as a parent and as a mom and even though they're, they're, Oh, and happy mother's day, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) And, um, so I'm curious kind of what, um, guess what tips do you have for, for mothers, new mothers on kind of, you know, as you, as you put in your title, like kind of reclaiming Mm -hmm. their body, like what, what, Um, So many. Um, And, you know, there's one of the sections we haven't talked about yet is the stress management and resilience section. And this was the hardest for me to write, probably because I needed it the most. And then it eventually became my favorite. So a big thing that is in there is addressing. I mean, this is especially true for all women and men, too, but really even more so for women is addressing that inner critic and the things we tell ourselves and how the things we tell ourselves are so much worse than we would ever allow anybody ever to, to say to us. Um, and so really taking some tips from, from cognitive behavioral therapy and psychotherapy for helping people 
address those voices and those messages that we all have on replay that we say to ourselves. Um, so really that was a big key thing, but then, you know, for, for moms, um, switching from that kind of more stress and resilience to more practical. So for, um, nutrition, a lot of what I talk about is there's, you know, whole section on getting your kid to eat better and dealing with picky eaters. Number one is you make one meal. I was talking, I've talked to so many moms out there and they say that they're making one meal for their kids and one meal for themselves, which I'm gobsmacked because I barely have time to make (laughs) one single meal. It's like, how are you doing two? That's insanity. So I think a lot of parents are very afraid, like, oh, my child's not eating the full meal. I need to go make this Elsa. I'll go make them some pasta or something because they didn't eat. No, don't need to, unless your child, unless your pediatrician has told you that they are concerned about the development and growth of your child, there is one meal. And so that's really important is it one meal and this is the norm and I make it and that's it. But I'm all about using game theory to handle and somewhat manipulate my children's um, preferences. So I'm not above that. Totally fine with it. Um, so with my children, I want them to feel like they have control. And this works for, I mean, whether you're dealing with children or adults or anybody. So I will uh, put out four vegetables and say, choose two for your salad, choose two or three. Um, so my daughter, again, feels like she has a voice in that so that she doesn't feel like her. Because for many kids, the way they exert their independence, they don't get a lot of choices. So one of the ways they exert it is by saying, no, I'm not going to eat the food you told me I had to eat. But if you don't tell them the food they have to eat, you just say, this is the meal, whether you eat it or not, I'm not making anything else. They don't have that to push against. Yeah. And so now they're saying, okay, I got to choose. Um, or my daughter, my, my daughter is a little bit, is more challenging when it comes to food. Um, dessert kind of started to be a big deal. We were kind of fighting about, well, you can't eat dessert until you get food, which you should never do. So I said, okay, we don't need dessert every night. We're going to have dessert three nights a week. And you, my daughter, cause then she's five, my son's two, he doesn't really care. Um, but you get to choose which nights it is. That's so again, wrong. she felt like she had a voice and that's what matters. I think that's uh, a brilliant concept. I think that um, listening for you moms and dads out there right, <laughs> employ this tactic, I think it, it sounds great. Uh, just as a, a sar- sidebar question, are there any foods that for uh, really young children that you feel should either be omitted or not omitted? Like, for instance, maybe if um, a parent might he- heard bad things about dairy, so like, oh, now I'm not going to give my, my uh, either newborn or toddler milk anymore. Is there anything like that, that that you feel should be omitted or not omitted? Um, so I think that's a really great question. I mean, there's always like, you shouldn't give your child honey less than one year. Like that's kind of a given. Um, but a lot of other things have changed. So we used to think, no, there was a period of time when they said, don't give nut based products until they're older. Cause they thought that may be what's driving the allergies, but yet the allergies seem to rise. So now that has changed. And they said, actually, you can start giving your children nut based products when they're around six months old, unless they're in a high risk allergy group and always talk to your pediatrician first. But I think what's really important is that you start giving your children um, small bits of whole foods early on just to taste, you know, like, you know, you can keep many women and, and I did nurse a child for the first year, but that doesn't mean that you don't give them foods. And the more you can give them foods, you know, once they hit six months, you know, starting with purees and a variety of them, so many, and y'all will, I'm sure y'all will kind of echo this. So many of the purees on the market are so sweet and they have so much sugar in them and they're just like, don't love them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So you have to you know, give them ones that are that are healthier and that have less sugar in them. Give them those purees and give them a variety of vegetables. Expose them to vegetables and things like that early on. Um, in terms of milk, you don't want to give that in the, uh, in the first year, but wait until after that. And then dairy is fine. Um, one concerning thing I do see people doing is, you know, every once in a while you'll see a trend and people are giving their baby soy milk or goat's milk or something then during that first year. And that's really when we see babies coming into the ER because they have had a failure to thrive and they are not growing. Those are not made. Um, our, our babies, are, our bodies are not made to, to be able to take our nutrition from those sorts of milks. So first year, the majority of the food is, especially early on, is nursing or formula. So where does, um, do you have some good exercise hacks for us? Sure. Lots of exercise hacks. Um, how about one called temptation bundling for you? It sounds so naughty. It's not really, but, um, so it was based out of, and you know, anybody who loves studies and science and evidence will know I totally geeked out on all the studies and doing this research. So this one's out of Wharton. They, um, divided students into two groups and they gave them all this very kind of addictive audiobook, like, you know, serial, the podcast, things like that. Um, and they told half of them, you can only listen to it when you are exercising. And then the other half, they told them, you listen to it whenever, maybe when you're exercising, do what you want. And so that group that could only listen to the addictive audiobook when they were exercising, exercised 150% more without ever being told to exercise. So this is one way it's kind of, you know, why do we like Brussels sprouts? Not because we like cabbage all of a sudden, but people put butter and bacon on it. So it's kind of like, take your exercise, which may be your Brussels sprouts, and what's your equivalent of butter and bacon? Note, I'm not saying eat butter and bacon while you're exercising. I'm saying metaphorically, what's your butter and bacon? So what is your guilty pleasure or your indulgence? Maybe it's watching Game of Thrones or listening to a specific Po this podcast, hey, listening to this podcast mm -hmm. or a playlist or reading a junk magazine or whatever and pair it with the exercise that you want to do. But you're only allowed to watch, say, Game of Thrones when you're on the elliptical. That's the only rule. You cannot do the indulgence when you're not exercising. And pair those together, you will find that you exercise more, you perceive the exertion to be less, and that even when you see a preview for that show or, you know, my people magazine arrives in the mail and I actually look forward to going and running because I'm going to get to catch up on that. So quick way, if anybody's ever looking for some easy ways to like increase their wanting to go do an exercise is to do a temptation bundle with it. So since you brought up Game of Thrones, are, are you, do you watch the show? No, I don't. Oh, you it's don't. way oh, too okay. gory for me. Okay. I keep every season I tell my husband, we should watch Game of Thrones. And he's like, are you kidding? You get upset <laughs> when like a person gets shot on a TV. Now, granted, I work in the ER. It's, uh, you know, I can handle it. But like, I don't need to watch it on TV. I like, I like a little escapism. But I know of it. So go ahead. <laughs> okay, we were just going to ask because this season is so divisive that um, I'm always interested in, in, in people's thoughts on what's going on. Because it's one of those shows where... I think it's been the most popular show and mostly everyone loves it. But this last five weeks has been just pandemonium among Ooh. fans of the show. Yes. All I know is what I see from Facebook and I know about the coffee cup yeah. that was in the scene. I mean, how do you not know about that? <laughs> so, uh, all right, I'm going to, we'll finish with uh, um, one question that I'm sure so many new mothers want to know. And it's, what do you do about that post-baby weight? Uh -huh. So 
This is a question I get asked and I did not want to put a weight loss program into the book. I thought, and I, but I would go speak. And no matter what I talked about, you know, holistic and, you know, figuring out your health and that of your kid's health, always at the end, somebody raised their hand and said, okay, but how can I lose? It didn't matter who the audience was. What is the tip? What is the best way that I can lose weight? And so um, I really, I was actually talking to Dr. Oz and I was like, my book was going to publication in like less than a month. And I was like, I think I have to put a weight loss in there because a weight loss plan, because if they're not getting it from me, then who knows where they could be going, going for it. So I need to put that in. So it's at the very end because my publisher was like, we've already planned you out in your entire book. It's going at the end. We're not messing up the pages, um, which is fine. Um, and so a couple, there's kind of three pillars of what I say. Number one is I don't want people counting calories, carbs, micrograms, whatever. It's exhausting. It doesn't matter. Calories do matter, the balance, but if you follow this way, you don't have to count them. Um, so I call it the trifecta. Whether you are having a snack or a meal, you want to have your plate. Just look at your plate. Whatever size the plate is, 60% of it should be produce. 30% should be protein, a good protein, and 10% fat. If you follow that, then you do not need to count calories. You do not need to worry about the other things so much. Just what does your plate look like? So that's number one. Um, and um, when somebody's really trying to lose weight, I do have them tend to cut back on their um, their carbs, but I'll get to that. Um, step number two is time-restricted eating. I don't know if y'all are in on the uh, intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating. I'm all in on it. Right now? You are? Okay. Although not, so, I've been sick recently, so not as much, but in general, yes, uh, I've been doing it. It's it. worked very well for me. It really does. And so um, you're of a like mind. And for our listeners who may not know, so essentially time-restricted eating, it's kind of more laid back than intermittent fasting, which is cool because I don't like to feel like I'm starving. So time-restricted eating says that you eat every day, but you eat within a 9 or 10 or 12-hour window. So say a 10-hour window means you have your first meal by 9 a.m. and you don't eat anything after 7 p.m. That's 10 hours. Why does it matter? It's some really fascinating science. They did it to mice because, you know, AKA it's science. Um, and they put mice on a 9, 12, 15, or 24-hour window, meaning the 24-hour window ones could eat around the clock. They gave them the exact same calories. Didn't eat anything differently. The mice that ate only in a 9 or 12-hour window lost weight. Their inflammatory markers went down. The mice that ate around the clock gained weight, even the 15-hour mice. So um, in humans, when you do it, it, you tend to also eat fewer calories. But there's something to it that shows that even in mice, when the calories are held the same, there's something about this. And I think it's tied with our circadian rhythm that works with our metabolism and helps us lose weight. So that was a major way that I lost, um, and I gained 50 pounds with each child. So I was not worried, you know, I, I had big babies, let it be, it's, you know, stay, kind of stayed, you know, within certain ranges, but I gained weight and I did not lose all that weight. It took about a year, which is okay. Cause I think that's healthy. You it takes a year to gain it and takes about nine months or so to a year to lose it. Especially for me, I was nursing and I held on to the weight as long as I was nursing. But um, time-restricted eating is also good for like a nursing mama because it doesn't, as long as your baby's not eating at night, you're eating essentially when your baby's eating. And so it's not going to impact your supply at all as much. So that was a big thing. That's step number two. And then the third one was cutting sugar and processed carbs, especially when you're trying to lose weight. 
you have to cut those out of your diet. Not only are they empty calories, but they create this sugar dependence. That means that the more we eat, the more we crave, and we need more sugar just to feel good. So really breaking that habit and dependence is crucial for weight loss. Uh, well, I must say that I, I do feel bad for those mice because if I because I think my how long do mice live? You know, two years at most. Like, I know. If I, I know. I knew if I knew I was only going to be alive for two years, you know, it's uh, you know I'd be eating around the clock. But... You'd be like to hell with it. <laughs> Give me some mice pellets, please. Um, of course, I try yeah, not you... to eat the mice though. That might make me sick. You'd so. be a bad lab rat, I would say. <laughs> All right, uh, Dr. Dario, you're awesome. Can you tell us where we can find you? Sure. So um, I'm on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's Dr. Daria. So just D-R-D-A-R-R-I-A. That's also my website is drdaria.com. And there's two R's in Daria. Just remember that. And I have some really exciting stuff coming up. A, a new 14-day program I'm going to be doing with this a celebrity trainer. He and I are, are co-hosting this to start June 1st. So go follow me on social because we're going to be starting out some announcements pretty soon. And awesome. uh, it's going to be a great 14-day body reset. Cool. So uh, yes, thank you so much for coming on the for the, coming on the Gym Wits and uh, giving us all these awesome hacks. I'm I'm sure there's tons of people that that are really going to gain something from it. And of course, go buy the book, Mom Hacks. Yay! And thank you for everything y'all do. I mean, this was wonderful. Really appreciate it. I know your audience loves the information you give them. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks again for being on the show. Okay. Bye. Take care. Now, I was really thinking that Mom Hacks would make for a great horror movie, like about like some mom that goes on like a slasher rampage, but that's not what this is. No. It actually sounds no. like a lot of the things she talks about, she's, she said like it's not just for moms. It could be just for anyone, so that's cool. Yeah, there were definitely some... Um, there were some clever tips, and a lot of it is just sort of around ref- reframing... Yeah, uh, bits of information, like communication, bits of information. Like I like that one where you give your your child the choice between food, so they think that they have the choice, so they're gonna they're gonna eat it. And there's a lot of sort of like you know little practical modern mini psychology, um, but it's cool. I think that um, I think that anything that you use to uh, to help and to help raise a family, raise a kid. Um, you know, anything that helps is, is you know, is good, is works. I will say, I think she did, um, she said, did mention something about, I think with like weight loss and breastfeeding, you never want to do that though. That's the one thing that I, I can't remember. Oh, she said to have a, a co- that, um, a caloric, do, do, I think it was something like maybe do the intermittent fasting while breastfeeding or yeah, have a caloric deficit. That's the only thing or maybe I would be, di- maybe time restricted eating or something like that yeah, while breastfeeding. That's the only thing I would just be, you know, when you're breastfeeding, you really have to remember you're fueling for your your child and yourself and to put any sort of limitation or restriction um, or even like, yeah, whatever it was, time restriction, whatever. It's just not really something I would little, advise. Uh, but uh, everything else, weird, though, but... it was very general. I think like it was very helpful because I think it's a lot of stuff we kind of know we just need to be reminded of. Yep. Cool. So, uh, Ryan, when do you start your new job? I mean, well, when this airs, I will be in the midst of it. Nice. But um, I start um, in real time, I think, in two weeks or less than two weeks. All right. So. What, what date? June 2nd or 3rd, whatever nice. that day is. So, yeah. Cool. Be different. Um, and we're still going to have to iron out our 
recording schedule, figure out how we're going to get these, uh, get this out and be a little bit more efficient with, um, you know, when we get it, but actually we'll work out cause we have to do it anyway with you going away. So yep. it will, yep. uh, we will keep on chugging along. Hopefully, no one will notice we're gone, except that they won't hear the sirens since we're <laughs> recording in your place. <laughs> sure, they'll be unless you move in. You'll, you'll unless you move like to like the one busy street in Nashville. No, I don't, I'm sure there are plenty of yeah, busy yeah. streets in Nashville. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Any anything to add, Tony? Uh no, no, nope. that's it. Cool. All right, great. Well, I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell. And I'm Tony Marinucci, a.k.a. Tips with Tony, a registered dietitian, helping you get healthy one bite at a time. And we are the Jimwits. Jim